Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What makes Mike Florio the expert? You're about to find out. This is Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio on NBC Sports Radio. Hey, let's give him one. A little bit of that. How about the Chiefs on three? One, two, three. How about those Chiefs? One more thing is next year we're coming right back here. One more time, baby. One more time. That is Andy Reid after the uh, parade in Kansas City. Andy, my gosh, Andy writing the check. And if I didn't know better, Chris Sims, if I didn't know that Andy Reid isn't a drinker given his Mormon faith, I would think that maybe he had a few. Didn't he seem like he's feeling pretty good? Maybe he's just high on life. Maybe somebody slipped a little vodka into his Kool-Aid. I don't know. But I, I, it made me a little nervous to see him declare that they're going to be back next year. Well, yeah, you don't, ex- you don't ever really hear that from a head coach to make those kind of comments. But, I mean, to what you're saying, though, Andy was – he was feeling it yesterday. Yeah, you're right. High on life, euphoria, whatever it was. And he was enjoying the moment. I mean, really, that was really cool to see the turnout the Chiefs fans uh, uh, had for, for the whole event. But, you know, just seeing Andy finally be able to enjoy the glory of winning a Super Bowl, you know, I, I would have a, a hard time thinking that doesn't bring a lot of smiles to a lot of people's faces around the NFL because you and I, like we've talked about a lot, have been around Andy and they just don't get any more nice you know, personable, charismatic, everything about that. He really makes you feel like he knows you and cares about you. Whether he does or not, I don't know, but he makes me feel that way. And we've gotten ourselves caught up in this notion that the Chiefs are on the front end of a dynasty, but let's reflect on what happened this year. They needed the Patriots to trip over their shoelaces in Week 17 to have a bye. Yep. They, 
they had to come back from down 24 nothing to the Texans. They had to come back from a 10-point deficit twice against the Titans. And they had to come back from 10 points down with six minutes to play in the Super Bowl. This is not the 1985 Bears level of dominance where they blew out everyone in the postseason en route to the Super Bowl 20 title. This is a team that very easily could have not won the Super Bowl. Why is there this sense, Chris, that one becomes two, becomes three, becomes four for this team? Well, I, th- that is a good question. I think first off, I mean, to what, you know, to your point, they were more dominant in 2018 than they were in 2019 as a football team. You know, of course, it didn't end the same way with losing to New England in the AFC Championship. But, you know, if you go back and watch, I mean, that, that was that was unbelievable. If you go back and watch the highlights from two years ago, uh, it was something special this year. It was a lot. It was winning a lot of different ways and not always dominant, you know, with a whole team effort. One week it was the offense. One week it was the defense. This week it was special teams. This year they, they, they found ways to win a lot of different ways in a football game and seemed more battle-tested maybe than they did last year where we just felt like, oh, they're going to outscore you and that's it. But uh, so I, I, I think we're thinking that, though, because – We've seen them in the playoffs for a number of years. We know Andy Reid's a good coach. And, of course, the quarterback. And the quarterback has his two main weapons around him for a little while here. And that's where I think we look at it and we just go watch out because the pressure's off and now 15 can just let it fly and not even worry about anything anymore. And I really do think that's the key. Right. Getting the Super Bowl win yes. early in your career. Joe Montana, year three. Yeah. Tom Brady, year two. Right. Once you climb the mountain and realize I can do this, even though you get thrown back to the valley of zero and zero and have to climb it again, you know that you can do it. You That's have the right. confidence to do it. And, and, and we talked about this earlier in the week. Maybe Patrick Mahomes the next time in the Super Bowl won't be kind of tight early on. Yes. You know, not his usual self. Maybe he'll slide into that. Screw it. I'm just going to go play my game mode because when he finally did, what happened? They came back and won. Yeah, that, that you're exactly right. He just, he refused to let it go. He, you know, and again, it, it's hard to let it go when you know you got a great defense who's flying around and you're going, man, if I throw this ball in the tight window and somebody gets a fingertip on it, ball goes in the air, I get an interception. But, you know, I've watched the game back three nights in a row, not like in totality, but it's been on the NFL network, right? And I turn it on and put it on and my kids are like, you're watching this again why are you so stupid and I just go I don't know you know I kind of pick new things up every time you watch it and yeah he, he I mean this is what's amazing this is why we're saying here they might go back to the Super Bowl because he played one of the worst games of his career and came back against one of the best defenses we've seen in 10 years in past defense and, and really one of the better defenses we've seen in re- recent history I think that's why we go he he didn't even play good and he still did that are you in, are, you, are you kidding me I, I think that's why we're excited I know I'm excited and yeah now he's got nothing right like Russell Wilson winning it so early on too I know he lost it the second year but he was fearless in that second Super Bowl too right drove them down to the one yard line and he's kind of been fearless ever since because because, hey, it's off my back. I know I can deliver in the big moments and I can let it fly. Well, and look, this isn't what we're here to talk about, but we addressed yesterday Russell Wilson's candor, uncharacteristic candor regarding what he'd like on the roster, right. telling us last week that he'd like to play more up-tempo. 
I think we're starting to see the urgency from him eight years in looking back on one Super Bowl win. And now you've got this kid in Mahomes who yeah. in his second year as a starter has a Super Bowl, a guy you got to compete with, a guy you're going to cross paths with, who's going to blow by your legacy quickly by all appearances. And yeah, winning that Super Bowl early should be the path to multiple championships. We haven't seen it from Aaron Rodgers. Now, it was weird because he was drafted in 2005, won the Super Bowl in 2010, but it was his third year as a starter. Right. For Mahomes, year two as a starter. Wilson, year two as a starter. And and here's the real question, Chris. MDS and I delved into this earlier in the week on the PFTPM Super Bowl 54 Awards podcast. What is the over-under on number of championships that will make Patrick Mahomes' career not a disappointment? Yeah. How many does it take? That, How that- many and a half? Two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. What is it? Yeah, that's a uh, a really good question. And, you know, I, I guess from where we're sitting right now, all right? Yeah, it's two, 2020, his second year as a starter, he won a Super Bowl. Like, I look at it and, you know, I, he's not a disappointment, right? That's, a, that's already done. Like, he's not a career disappointment. No, no, no. But, but look, I know, but Chris, I know. Chris, in all fairness, yes. Aaron Rodgers – Aaron Rodgers' right. career is a disappointment. I right? get that. Russell get Wilson people... right now, if he doesn't win another one, yes. disappointment. When we see the promise, we see the potential, we right. see who he is, we see what he can do. How many does he have to win for us to say when it's all said and done, he fulfilled the potential and the promise? I mean, I would think three. I think three would be, like, very realistic. I mean, really, we're being unrealistic by saying two. I mean, this is not an easy thing to achieve. We've been scarred by the New England Patriots, right? And but- the 49ers and the Steelers yes. and the quarter and Troy Aikman won three. I, look, I, I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's unfair to say what 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 is the bar? He's set the bar so high already. What is the bar for his career? I think it's three and a half. I think he's got to get four. So you think he's got to get four? I mean, if he gets three, we're going to come away and go, man, Mahomes was special. He won five MVP, NFL MVPs and, you know, three Super Bowls and three Super Bowl MVPs most likely to go along with that. You know, I, I don't see how you could look at anybody's career after that and go, that's disappointing. You know, yes, you're right. Right now, we're sitting here going, man. I mean, this guy's got as much talent or more talent than anybody we've ever seen. He could go down in the greatest, the, as the greatest player of the game in the, in the history of the game. I mean, he's got more talent than a Tom Brady, but now it's about can he, you know, accomplish all the accomplishments that Brady accomplished. You like that? Three accomplishments, four now. Wow. Yes, in, in his career. I mean, that's what it really comes down to is now matching up the play with some hardware to put you in that, that stratosphere of, you know, you know, gods of football like like uh, Montana or Brady or Terry Bradshaw or Troy Aikman, like you're talking about. So we'll see where it goes. The other thing, Mike, too, just real interesting. You talked about the Russell Wilson ankle angle. I mean, I would think Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson they were watching on Sunday, and this 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 is going to make that rivalry better too. It's just going to make them more desperate. You know, I would think they were probably sitting there rooting for Jimmy Garoppolo because they were just going, I don't want Mahomes to get it one yet. I want to get it first, you know, because they're all in that age group together where it's going to be real, the competition there. I would think they were sitting at home going, damn, this guy, he won this damn Super Bowl. Now I got to get back to the drawing board and get to work myself. And Patrick Mahomes is going to be competing with some great quarterbacks. Let's not forget, this is a golden age of young quarterbacks with Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. And Russell Wilson, who's on the wrong side of 30, but still in that group. Yep. Deshaun Watson. And who knows what Joe 
Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert are going to become, and Sam Darnold and Josh Dak, Allen. Dak I mean, there's a lot of competition. Right, yeah, a yeah. lot of competition. But here's the thing. Here's right. the thing. Tom Brady won six championships with Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, all those guys floating around. So it is possible for someone to rise up and win all the rings. And and I remember before Tom Brady passed Montana and Bradshaw to get to number five with Super Bowl 51, the 28 to three comeback. I remember before that there wasn't a consensus on the greatest quarterback of all time. You could argue four or five different guys. Once Brady got to five, and especially once he got to six, I think it was hard. And I know you you say Aaron Rodgers, but you're in the minority. Yeah. The, the, most people say Tom Brady. What does it take for Patrick Mahomes to supplant Tom Brady? Does he have to win more than Tom Brady, or does he just have to get close and have all the all-time records and all those great moments, and we're going to remember him as a better overall player right. if he just gets within one or two of right. Brady. It's going to be an interesting debate that I hope I live long enough to see. Yeah, right. I'm with you there. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's where I think, like, yeah, you know, to get six or seven, first of all, I, you know, I just don't know if that's realistic and whatever, you know, whatever. But I think if he does get around four, if he gets to that four or five category, and yes, the style of which he plays. Listen, New England wins Super Bowls because, you know, Brady dissects you, right? The offense is amazing. The scheme is amazing. They teach it to Brady. He can digest it all. And then he can go out there and execute it and make big throws. It's different in Kansas City. Kansas City, Andy kind of just goes, hey, you run this way. You run this way. Patrick, drop back and make it happen. Just make it happen, okay? I'm going to send people and be aggressive, and you just go that way. It's not surgical. More is on the shoulders of Mahomes to make it happen with just his great ability. And that's where, yes, I can even the conversation if he's a Super Bowl or too short of Brady, let alone it's looking like we're going to be on the pace of a guy that's going to have, you know, three, four, five MVPs anywhere in that category. I think that would be safe to say. But but again, you've got Lamar Jackson, you've I know. got Deshaun Watson. And and the thing that kept Mahomes from winning a second regular season MVP, although it still may have been Lamar Jackson because 1,200-plus rushing yards and 36 touchdown passes. But Mahomes' injury, missed a couple games, wasn't the same when he came back. Right. That knocked him out of the MVP it race. Did. He stays healthy. And that's the other thing, too. Look, we've seen two seasons out of him. He was injured and missed a couple of games, and it took him a while to get back to 100%. Can he stay healthy on a consistent basis? That's the one thing about quarterbacks that we take for granted and overlook. And that play the ability this way. to play yeah. every week, every week, every week, like a Dak Prescott has done through four years of his career, like Tom Brady has done yeah. every year of his career, except 2008 when he had the torn ACL. Durability and ability to play at a high level every week is something we shouldn't take for granted. No, you're right, and especially with guys like like this. You know, this is what to me is amazing about Brett Favre, but like Rodgers and Mahomes, I think it's especially there in that conversation because they have to they play a game that's so close to the edge. Right. I mean, it's, you know, every play is, oh, there's a guy on my shoulder. Oh, I made a spin move. Oh, I'm throwing the ball as three guys are about to crush me. But I still threw a 30 yard laser down the field because of the way they play and what they're asked to do. They have to tote the line of danger a little bit more than maybe, let's say, a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, because they were more of the pocket passing type player there. Uh, so, yes, you're, I think that's a valid point because he's a freaky athlete and a freaky player. He never gives up on a play, which can, yes, put himself in danger. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. 
season over, it's like, man, you you start to like. I think you really start to think of like what you really just did. So, not just it's not just that 16 games. It's like, all right, we had preseason games. We yeah. had camp that we just went through. We had OTAs. You was training like. It's a whole like snowball effect of you know all that physical work that you just put in, and it's like throughout the season sometimes you don't realize how hurt you are, or how tired you are. You just going, going, going. Like when the season ends, like I think like the next two, three days, I was like knocked out. That's Alvin Kamara. He was with us at the Super Bowl last week, talking about the 17-game regular season that the NFL wants. And the way it stands right now, Big Cat, the NFL and the NFLPA negotiating teams have reached a proposal that is being presented to the NFLPA for consideration that would include 17 games in the regular season on a 10-year CBA. And it's they're getting more pushback than I think they thought they were going to get from NFLPA leadership. You negotiate with the league, and then you have to sell it to your client. And it's a complicated process because you've got an executive committee, a board of player representatives, and then eventually a full vote of the union. And they're having a hard time getting leadership to sign off on this CBA premised on 17 games. The players don't want it. I think it's it's even less attractive to players in the month after a season ended. Maybe later in the offseason, they'll feel better about 17 because they will have forgotten how bad they hurt after 16. What's your thought generally on 17? I mean, I feel like it's inevitable, so I've accepted it. And the fact the union is negotiating based on 17, hey, if you don't want 17, you tell them from the get-go, we're wasting our time talking about 17 games. But they've negotiated for a year. I feel like it's inevitable. Do you want it to happen? Okay, so explain to me real quick. If there's a 17-game season, there'll be two buys. Is that correct? No, no. The, the structure would still be one buy. I, some people would like two buys. That would push the Super Bowl to President's Day weekend, but it would still be one buy. That's what I go for. So I agree with the players when they say a 17-game season, like why are we adding another game? It's already a long enough season. Give me two buys and give me a Super Bowl President's Day weekend. I'm all in for that. Because what, from, from my perspective, and this is the total fan perspective, all I want is to bridge the gap a little bit more between the Super Bowl <laughs> and March Madness. That's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> I want there to be as few weeks between those two events as possible. So give me 17 weeks. Give me two buys. Let me watch week 17 of the uh, NFL season or week 18, whatever you want to call it. No. It'd be week 19, right, with two buys. Let me watch that in January. Let me watch the playoffs starting mid-January. Get me all the way to President's Day weekend. Boom, now you have Monday off after the Super Bowl. Everyone's problems are solved. When the issue of 17 games first emerged as the compromise between 16 and 18 last July, Packers CEO Mark Murphy spoke about it at the annual shareholders meeting for the Packers organization. And I got Murphy on the phone after this all started to come out. And he told me that the networks don't want two buys. They did two buys in 1993. If you recall back when you were what, eight years old, eight years old. And it dilutes the schedule. When you add that second buy, think about it. You're taking more games out of every week. Think about what a nightmare it would be for fantasy football with two buys for every team. And how many teams would be off in any given week. I, I know you don't care and you like it. to scoff, but a lot of people care. A lot of people care about that. So I think I think that logistically it makes, I, hey, well, let's just add another week. But you add another week by taking games away and you already lose those four to six teams every week during bye season. Now you're going to make that even worse, Big Cat. 
Mike, I've said this idea before. I think you're the one who was like, that's the craziest idea ever. Throw it out. But I'll I'll do I'll repeat it again. Do two buys and one of those weeks, make it no football on that Sunday. Give everyone a reset day where they can, you know, be a good husband, be a good dad, be a good wife, whatever it may be. Give everyone that one day where they can sit down on a Sunday and be like, you know what? I'm going to see my family again. Football is family. Give me a reset day, a reset week. Everyone's on a bye. Maybe throw some college football games on that Saturday. Give me that, and you solve everything. I, Play I them know on that you Sunday. Move them to the Sunday. I know. You know what? I don't despise it. I don't despise it. It's like the Mother's Day for NASCAR. They always shut down on Mother's Day, right? Oh, you know what? I, give me give me the regular bye schedule, right? Okay, here's what right. you do. Here's what you do. You give me the regular bye schedule. And, the, and say the week, the season goes all the way to January 15th or whatever it may be. Give me the Sunday closest to Christmas because those are already bowl games. So you can let the bowl games happen. It's already, you know, family time. You're, you want to spend time with your family. You're not going to want to watch, you know, the Saturday night game, the Sunday night game. Give me that one week off so everyone can go spend time with their family. And then give me three weeks of football, NFL football, on the other side of Christmas to finish out the season. There it is. I, I just I, solved all the world's problems. I may have hated it the last time around. I don't hate it this time, but I'll tell you what. The audience on Twitter hates the idea of 17 games. I put the question out yesterday. Very simple. Do you want a 17-game regular season? Yes or no? More than 50,000 votes, and there's Who still plenty of time people? to vote if you haven't. 62.2% don't want 17 games. Who are these people, And I people, didn't vote Mike? no. Did I vote no? I didn't vote no on that. Somebody voted Looks no like on you did. that. I didn't. Like voted I voted no. yes. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. As an offense, as a team, we've been in that situation, you know, multiple times, and you know, we've answered the bell. And just it's tough when you know that one time, you know, you did. And so, but that's what uh, that's what people remember. It's the world we live in, and you just got to own up to it, and you know, be a man about it. And so, it'll, uh, like I said before, it'll fuel us in this offseason, fuel me especially in this offseason, just to uh, you know, come back better. Jimmy Garoppolo, 49ers quarterback, at his locker day, locker clean-out day, the ritual for every team when the season is finally over. You meet with the media, you say a few things, and, you know, he knows what happened. He knows what went wrong, and they did answer the bell from time to time throughout the season. But, you know, that that was the question I had all year long. That's right. What's he going to do in a big spot? Yeah. And we finally saw the biggest possible spot. For, uh, it was third and 10 from the 49 with exactly 100 seconds left in the NFL's 100th season. Emmanuel Sanders was open and he missed him. Yeah. And other guys would have made that throw. And and to me, it's the ultimate litmus test. Championship throw. Just like Jared Goff last year when he had Brandon Cooks wide open, saw him late, threw it wobbly. Jason McCourty came over and made the play to keep Cooks from catching it. That's that that's the test. And we've seen over the years. Guys make the throw. Terry Bradshaw making the throws sure. in Super Bowl ten. The cover of Sports Illustrated that I tweeted earlier today from Super Bowl fourteen. The throw to John Stallworth when the Steelers were down in Super Bowl fourteen to the Rams, right over the outstretched fingertips of the defensive back. That's what you do in those moments, or you don't. It's yeah. pass fail. Some have passed. Some have failed. And Garoppolo, until he gets another chance to pass. On his permanent record, the most recent grade is F, Chris. Yeah, well, I, you know, listen, I, I don't want to say F, but I understand what you're saying. It's pass-fail. 
If you don't pass, what do you do? Well, okay, I get it. You know, I okay. So first off, I I, I really respect Jimmy G. One for the way he's handled this whole situation. I mean, the post game press conference, what we saw yesterday at his locker, all of those things. I mean, he's not he's not shying away from it. He you know he tells you just like we saw in that clip. He gets it. He understands the criticism. You got to be a man about it. Go forward. I love all those answers. I really do. He's a guy again that I think is very easy to root for. Now where I think we get a little swayed with this whole conversation. First off, b- balls being thrown in the air for 40-plus yards, the completion percentage is not very high. It's not. Around the league, it's around 40%, the lower 40%. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, for the year on 40-plus yard throws in the air was 6 for 15. Now, that's the other problem with this, is we saw Mahomes deliver on all these throws at the end of the football game, and then we're trying to hold Jimmy Garoppolo to that standard too. Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Patrick Mahomes. He ain't ever going to be. Patrick Patrick Mahomes, like I said yesterday, is in another stratosphere. He's in outer space, and Garoppolo's down here in the United States, right? I mean, that's where he is. That's just a simple fact of the matter. Mahomes, Terry Bradshaw, yeah, those are like super, super talented guys. I mean, Bradshaw was the number one pick of the draft. Mahomes, as we know, was the number one player on some boards. Sean Payton, we know, fancied him. A bunch of other people did, too. He's a special, special talent. So it's not even fair to Mahomes or Garoppolo to compare those two. That's, uh, that's Tom Brady was picked number 199. I get it. I mean, I get there's it. plenty of guys who can make that throw. I just picked out Terry Bradshaw because I remember those throws from my childhood. There are plenty of quarterbacks who have made big-time throws in big-time spots with championships on the line, and Garoppolo had a chance to become yeah, one of them, I, and he didn't. I know, I know, but, you, but yet, you, you know, you say that, and I get it, and I go, yeah, but, like, okay, like, you name two in history of the Super Bowl. Like, there, there's not that many that where that the team is down by four and the guy throws the bomb to win the game. There's not. There's not that many. And then I don't like the, oh, Garoppolo and Shanahan, they're not good in the big game. You know, like, I just, I don't like. I didn't like, say Shanahan. No, I know. I'm talking I'm just, about Garoppolo. I know, but I, because people have said that to me, too. I go and do radio interviews, and they talk about that. And, like, I just want to go. Well, I mean, damn, I thought the NFC Championship was a big game last time I checked. I mean, you know, that was big. Week 17 in Seattle was big. The game in New Orleans was big. I know it's not the Super Bowl, but they were still big moments where he came through. And I just, I'm just trying to add a little bit of, uh, I guess, what to me, my reality of what I see here. And I think there was some good. Yes, it didn't end the way we wanted it to end. But I think it was more because of the magic of the guy number 15 wearing red and yellow than anything more about me looking at his negatives. And Garoppolo didn't play his best game. I get that. He, he missed some passes and made a few bad decisions down the stretch. He did have some good moments, though. And we yes. have the top five Jimmy G highlights From 2019, his first full season as a starter. He had been starter for part of 2016, part of 2017, part of 2018, 2019, wire to wire. Let's take a look at the top highlights, and we will talk through them as best we can for the radio audience. Number five happened in week 12 on a Sunday night. Green Bay was in town. It was 23. Three to eight at that point. The Packers had scored a touchdown and the okie doke with Kittle going right instead of left. And Jimmy G finds him wide open. Kittle scores the touchdown, supplies the dagger. Next one, game winning touchdown pass against Arizona. A close, exciting game. And, uh, yo, throw was a little high, a little behind, but he oh, got it be there quiet. and he got it touchdown, done. Touchdown, Jimmy was. Garoppolo. It was. 
Week 17, how about this? Uh, a little, he had to wait for a little bit. Could have scored if he'd hit him in stride. I'm just trying to be a jerk. You are a jerk. Uh, Don't worry. Don't this try. This one's on you target. Are. It was a five-yard <laughs> pass to Debo. And you look, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo had his moments. Here's one, third and 16. Remember this Saturday night game yeah. against the Rams? Two third and 16s on the same drive. Right. He gets he gets uh, Kendrick Bourne the first time, and then he's got Emmanuel Sanders. This was a thing of beauty. It was. So, you know, he is. He is capable right. of doing it. He is. And look here. Hey, things break down. He's got to move to his left against the Saints in that epic. Finds a guy in the back of the end zone. It was a fourth down throw to. Oh, and then here's the fourth down throw to, to George Kittle. Boom. Right. This was the, the game decider. So Clutch moment. He can do it. He, he can, can do, do it. it. Right. He can do it. I, but he didn't do it in the Super Bowl. No, he didn't do it in the Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm not trying to get him an excuse, but I, that's what I want to hear, though. He can do it. And I think that's ultimately what Kyle Shanahan will go back to and go. I, I think this guy can do it. He came through it a lot of times for that football team this year. Yeah, it wasn't his best performance in the Super Bowl. It, it wasn't. Yeah, he missed a few throws. And, hey, I think that's an area of the game, you know, to you open the segment and you mentioned it. You know, we questioned all year in a big moment or when the run game of the 49ers is not hitting on all cylinders. Can Garoppolo pull them through? You know, more times than not, he did during the year. The Super Bowl... He, he let them down to a degree. Uh, I know that. But that's what's amazing to me about football. At football, especially the NFL, at some point, and usually the playoffs, your greatest weakness is going to come to the forefront. And it's going to be, okay, this is your greatest weakness. And the game's being boiled down to it right now. Let's see how much you've improved on that weakness as the year went on. And can that get you over the hump? Like every team is, I always kind of seems to find their play, their kryptonite and whether they can handle it. And, you know, Kansas City, one of their strengths was their nickel and third down defense all year long. One of the weaknesses of the 49ers was, yes, the drop back pass game and maybe some of the inconsistencies throughout the year with the Jimmy Garoppolo questions. And it came to a head in the biggest moment. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs and their defense and nickel defense prevailed. He talked yesterday about using what happened in the Super Bowl as fuel to get better. Where would you tell him he needs to improve going into 2020. I've said this a lot during the year and his deep ball throwing is that it's average and they don't throw the ball deep a lot into in general to begin with. That's another thing there. I mean, I think he threw one of the, the least amount of like 40 plus yards uh, passes in football this year. He was towards the bottom of the list on those attempts. And yes, his, his mechanics are not great that way. Mike, think about the game the other night. Every throw we saw was right in between the numbers, right over the middle of the field, right? You heard me say that. Only throws I can think of that were not right down the middle, somewhere in the, you know, 5 to 12-yard range were the Kittle offensive pass interference play and the deep post to Emmanuel Sanders. Everything else was, you know, Kittle over the middle, Debo Samuel over the middle, Emmanuel Sanders. There was one other. There was one other. What was it? The third and five play when he was freaked out about throwing over the middle again because Chris Jones had batted down the second. And and the guy was open over the middle again. That was, you know, we showed that yesterday, right? Kittle was open. You're right. So that's, there's three throws. That just tells you, one, I don't think he's great at it. Two, I think Shanahan probably realizes it. And three, that's somewhere here where I do do think he can improve uh, in, in his career here. How about this? Yeah. Let's set aside hashtag Tommy picking up the phone and calling Kyle and saying, I'd like to play for you in 2020. Yeah. Kirk Cousins contract goes through the 2020 season. Yeah. And 
they can't use the transition tag on him next year. That's part of the contract. They won't use the franchise tag because since he was tagged twice in Washington, he'd be entitled to a 44% raise over his cap number for this year. His cap number is $31 million. A 44% raise, I've already done the math, $44.64 million is what his one-year franchise tender would be in 2021. The Vikings aren't going to do that. So unless they extend Kirk Cousins before next March, I know Kirk and right. Kyle right. can get together. So okay. maybe maybe you give Jimmy one more year. Yeah, maybe you give him one more year. Right, and I- it, and this is it, and it's going to loom over the whole season because if Jimmy doesn't get it done this year, bye bye Jimmy next year. Hello Kirk. I, I I'll I'll entertain this conversation. I like this a little bit more. This is a little more realistic than Tommy calling up Kyle and like that whole thing. I like this one. I think there's there's some realness to it. You're right. Like. What if Minnesota misses out on the playoffs or maybe gets in the wild card game and loses and the 49ers don't get in next year? What if they're 9 and 7 or 8 and 8 and they kind of have a fall off year, Super Bowl loss That's a, hangover? No, 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 look. We'll know before then. But you're right. The Vikings I'm just are saying, either going to extend him or they're not. It doesn't matter what happens with the Vikings season. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He can walk away. He can go wherever he wants. He's Tom Brady next year. He can go no, anywhere he wants. I know. I'm just saying that would be like, yes, yeah, so let's just say the Vikings get there and have a good year or whatever. Maybe they go to the playoffs. Maybe they just miss out. The 49ers miss out. I, I'm with you is what I'm saying is I think Shanahan would think about that. Like, okay, maybe Jimmy G's not the guy. I still love Kirk Cousins and think he can come in here and orchestrate and run my offense better than a Jimmy G. And I would think Kirk Cousins – I think he realizes the greatness of Shanahan at this point. I think he's realized, like, damn, playing quarterback for him was easier than anybody else I played with. People were wide open all the time. We just talked about Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball over the middle to wide open guys all year long. That I, I could see happening, Mike. He talked about it last week with us. He did, right. When he was a rookie. I was saying, the first game of his rookie year. Right, right. First, uh, who cares if it was off camera? First game of his rookie year. (laughs) Right. Robert Griffin III, rookie quarterback. Kirk Cousins, fourth round rookie backup, and they destroyed the Saints. Right. And and he said, he he commented. He called his dad, right? No, he called his dad. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. He said to somebody, holy crap, this Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. Right. He couldn't get over it. He just thought, like, oh my gosh, the the game went on and they just, you know, they they were a well oiled machine and people were open everywhere and yet that's where you know I constantly hear this from players who play for Kyle receivers and quarterbacks they just go man I've never seen anything like it he always gets me open he knows how to get me the ball I mean it's the one thing over and over you hear about Shanahan from players that play with him because he gives you rhyme and reason to why he's running schemes and plays and you start to understand whoa that's smart that's next level thinking and it you know makes you buy in makes you want to play because you know you're going to get the ball, get stats, and it's going to be exciting football. I always root for a great story. And wouldn't it be a great story if Tom Brady was the quarterback in San Francisco, they trade for Odo Beckham Jr., who they almost traded oh for gosh. last year. And then when he emerges from his suspension, Antonio Brown joins You're the party insane. in Santa it's Clara. It's four days after Would the Super Bowl. Be great? Yeah, it's four hey, days man. after the Super Bowl. And you're already going down to mid-May Florio theories here. Stir. <laughs> we got to stir, man. We got to talk about this stuff. That's our job. Our job is to get people thinking and talking about the possibilities. And the possibilities this year are endless. And I am not ruling out the possibility that Tom Brady is going to pick up that phone and he's going to say, hello, Kyle, this is Tom. Let's do some business 
together. And if it works, I'll get your initials tattooed on my <laughs> You're leg. How about that? So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Stir it up with break. the Gatorade cups, Lorio. Well, that's what that's you do. Right. Stir oh, it up. Oh, that's right. The cup. Put it. Hey, roll that whole sleeve. There it oh, is. Oh, there you roll are. There you sleeve are. Sleeve in the mud. Well, Brady, and stick it in Shanahan, there. Shanahan, Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Antonio OBJ. Brown. OBJ. OBJ. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, Le'Veon Bell too. Oh yeah. Why not him? him? Call Miles well, Garrett we'll, too. Tell well, him to go out there. <laughs> well, Le'Veon, they don't need the one thing they don't need is Miles Garrett. Everybody else, yes. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Todd Gurley signed a huge contract with the LA Rams before the 2018 season, a contract that there is no way the Rams would do again because it was during the 2018 season that his knee became progressively worse to the point where he couldn't contribute late in the regular season. He was never the same guy after that in 2019. They didn't use him nearly as much as they had in past years. They have a decision coming, Big Cat. Third day of the league year in March. Another $10.5 million in payment to Todd Gurley becomes fully guaranteed. According to the report of NFL media, the Rams want to meet with Gurley ahead of time. Look, I think that they want to go to Gurley and basically say, we propose a reduction in what you're going to make. And we believe that what we offer you is going to be more than what anyone else would pay you. If we were to cut you, I think that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to subtly squeeze him to take less. And then his agent will make some phone calls and realize, you know what, what they are offering here in LA is more than what anyone else would pay a guy who's got a knee that is arthritic, according to his trainer and can't carry the load that he once did. And it makes perfect sense. I mean, remember when this deal got signed and we all said, are you sure? And it happens, uh, it feels like with one or two teams every couple of years here where they sign this big deal with a running back. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott just got that money from the Cowboys and everyone looks around and says, wait, are you sure? Because who was in the Super Bowl this year? Raheem Mostert and Damian Williams, playoff Damian. You guess what? Those two guys were undrafted. And I know, obviously, Todd Gurley is better than both those guys. You know, Todd Gurley healthy in his prime. Same with Ezekiel Elliott, excuse me. But you can get value out of the running back position without having to invest big-time dollars, big-time contracts, big-time draft capital. And it's proven time and time again with the teams that get to the Super Bowl, get to the finish line. So I don't really know. I mean, look, at even last year, the Rams are in the Super Bowl – it wasn't really because of Todd Gurley towards the end of the year because he was injured all the time. And C.J. Anderson had a great, you know, end of the run, uh, end of the season for the Rams. So it's smart for the Rams to go to Todd Gurley and say, we need to figure this out and not invest so much money in the running back position because going forward, they're going to need to spread that money around to other positions and try to build this roster back up. They will have paid him $34.5 million for two seasons, which is unheard of for a running back if they do make some sort of a move. But I ultimately think that he will realize it's in his best interest to work with the Rams and take less money and accept a reduced role because that knee. And he gets angry when people talk about the knee, but I can't help it. The knee is a problem. He's not the guy that he used to be. And we saw it play out every week of the 2019 season with few exceptions. He can't be the guy that was the workhorse in the centerpiece of the offense. And at some point, you have to go to Gurley and say, we can no longer justify this type of expenditure. And he's got the ultimate leverage, though, because if he doesn't like the offer, he can say, just cut me and let me walk away with $34.5 million. And you know what? Some guys, Big Cat, will do that just for spite. 
even though they know they're going to make less somewhere else, they're upset that the team is coming to them and wanting to adjust the deal. And they'll just say, rip the whole thing up and I'll go make less somewhere else. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I don't know if Todd Gurley is that guy, but you bring up the knee and him getting upset when anyone brings up a knee. Like, why Why would he be upset? I mean, I understand why he's upset because it's basically saying, hey, look, your knee's never going to get better. It just is what it is. Him getting upset shows you that, that it's a real problem. He wouldn't get upset if he thought, it, if he, in his heart of hearts, thought, I'm still Todd Gurley. I'm still going to be the same guy that I was two, three years ago. He probably wouldn't have that reaction. So going forward, the Rams, I mean, we've talked about it. They have some tough decisions to make. That roster feels like it's always on the brink, and they need to make those tough decisions, and they need to figure out the running back position and not invest so much money into a guy that you can't probably rely on for a 16-game schedule, maybe 17-game schedule with that knee. That's it for the best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. I'm Mike Florio. We'll see you next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.